Welcome to Two Balls, One Puck, a brand new sports podcast talking about the Buffalo Bills, Sabres, and the New York Yankees. My name is Tommy Jirasi. This is episode one of the podcast. We did episode zero, kind of like an inaugural podcast to get our feet on the ground, but this is actually episode one. This is for real this time, so let's do some introductions. Uh, we'll kick it off to my brother, Joey. How you doing, Joey? I'm good, Tom. Good to be back here again for the official episode one of Two Balls, One Puck, talking about the Buffalo Sabres, the Buffalo Bills, and the New York Yankees. Uh, just good to be here with my two brothers in the Media One radio station, and I'm here with Jacob as well. How are you doing tonight, Jake? Doing well, doing well. I uh, encourage anyone listening, if we didn't make it explicitly clear that this is episode one. We do have a setup episode. We kind of call it episode zero, introducing us, ourselves, having a little bit of fun. But I would like to take the opportunity to kind of set up the structure going forward. It's going to be normal episodes from here on out. We're going to call them just one through however far we go. So this is episode one. And um, we're going to be looking at a little bit of a segment for each of our three teams that we're, we're talking about in this podcast. So we're going to try to keep our segment's nice and clean. Yeah, knowing us, we don't know if we can do that, but we'll try. We'll try our best so that we uh, have our Bills talk, and then we kind of cut it, and we say we are now moving to whatever team we go next to, and uh, that's going to keep us kind of in line a little bit. We're known to tangent, and we're known to go off track. So that's no. that's the goal is what? to try to stay one team at a time. But, uh, yeah, we're Tommy, we're going to start with the uh, Buffalo Bills. Yeah, well, actually, before we start with the Bills, while we're on just introducing, I just got to get something out there. I'm assuming there's a lot of people dealing with this this time of year. My allergies are so bad. Do you guys... Actually, Jacob, you mentioned recently that like, you didn't have allergies until recently, right? And that's that's what happened to me. I was like 22 years old, never was allergic to anything in my life, and then one summer it was just like I got hit with a face full of crap. And then now... My eyes felt like two flaming meatballs in my skull the other day. I just couldn't. No I, one has ever said that. I couldn't. Get brand new sentence. I couldn't get them out of like it, under control. It was terrible. Were but, you trying to get your eyeballs out? I mean, it felt like I could have. Honestly, it was so bad. It was. I was just. <laughs> I don't know. My allergies are so. Bad. I don't know about you. There's guys, a but. cool thing um, called eye drops. Might want to look. I put eye drops in. Jacob. Might want to look into them. So I don't know if I just got the best uh, genes or luck, but I have Both. yet to thank you uh, deal with any type of seasonal allergy, well, as well as food allergy. I don't think none we of don't have a lot of food allergies. allergies. No. There's seven uh, kids in none. our family. I don't no have food one. Allergies. That's awesome. Medicine, a couple, one sister. But, no, yeah, nothing. Yeah. I got nothing. Yeah. Well, Tommy, uh, if, you're a little, if you're a little sniffy tonight, we know why. It's yeah. okay. <laughs> to anyone who doesn't have the fortune mm-hmm. of not being allergic to things, I apologize for yeah. us just rubbing it in your face, but yeah. that's the reality as of now. I offered a kid a peanut butter and jelly sandwich the other day, and he scared, looked me dead in the eye and said, I'm deathly allergic to peanut butter, and I was just trying to be nice, so I just want to throw that out there. That's funny. Well, now, but he was actually deathly allergic that's to what peanut he said. butter. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, because yeah. for those who watch The Office, and we're obviously big Office fans, at least Joey and I, I mean, if anybody knows of Called the scene out. later, season seven, it's uh, when Will Ferrell's in the show, and he says he's deathly allergic to peanuts, yeah. but... He actually just gets like a little rash and stuff, and you get nut particles all up in the air. Classic. But it could be, but we don't know. With this kid that you offered a PBJ, it could be actually serious. Could well, moving from allergy talk to the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. What are they say. allergic to? Pick one player on the Bills. What are they allergic to? <laughs> oh. What's one thing that they can't have? The Buffalo in the Bills are room. allergic to winning a Super Bowl. They I are. thought that was, oh, that's oh, what I was Tom. getting there, but then well, I decided I mean, to not. I mean, you... come on, Tom. 
Josh but Allen. Wait, wait. Time, sorry. What's he allergic to? How would they know if they're allergic to it or not if they've never tried it? Uh, earth shattering. So anyways, Ed Oliver, the new, well, re-signed Buffalo Bill, he is allergic to, I'm making this up on the spot for anyone who thinks I'm, I know anything about this man's personal life. I don't. I think he might be allergic to strawberries. And it's difficult because when he goes out to fancy restaurants, he's like, I like fruity desserts. You think so? So, so many desserts are strawberry-based. He can't have them. look at his player profile picture, he looks like he's like, Lactose intolerant. Like, he's so big and tough, but just that, it just gets him. Or, you know what, though? Strawberries might do it. Just a little dainty thing, you know, this No, yeah, this, there's nothing that hurts this guy. It's just a matter of whether or not, yeah. He orders a 72 ounce steak, but then. Well, let's hope there's nothing that uh, hurts him uh, during his new contract extension. Yes, which. uh, Stay away from the strawberries, Ed. (laughs) Stay away from the strawberries. Uh, so yeah, Ed Oliver's uh, extension, uh, four-year deal, um, I think it is right, and um, yeah, four years, sixty-eight million, um, and the guaranteed money I think is like forty-five million guaranteed. But so interesting across different sports. We might get into it in the future. Guaranteed versus incentive money based. Different sports have different systems. Just kind of an interesting. Yeah, the NFL is super. Um, is unique. I don't know if, if they're incredibly unique because of the three sports we're covering here. I mean, it is to those three sports, but with the guaranteed money, you see that all the time. Like when you see a post on ESPN pop up and Patrick Mahomes signed a $16 billion contract with however much guaranteed money. And that's actually really unique to think about that no matter what happens to these guys because football is so prone to injury and not longevity that they're guaranteed this money. So, yeah, I find that interesting with football that, like, money is always guaranteed. I think for Oliver, at least, as you have to like this contract. You really do. He is a, a true difference maker when he's on the field. And with all of the injuries the Bills have had, you know, hopefully we can stay away from that. Uh, you know, four years, it's it's great. You know, hopefully going to stick around with the Bills through this, you know, prime time that they have, you know, Super Bowl is in the site and you know it's 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 not far away we we can taste it so i think oliver's you know it, it's a great great resigning yeah, honestly i mean you mentioned being healthy right and obviously was it uh season opener last year against the rams where he was out he went out with a high ankle sprain and it took him a while to get back into the rhythm and i, I was actually uh reading up on something pretty interesting about how comparatively in his position uh, Oliver might hit the numbers that he got in his contract might not stack up value wise to other defensive linemen in the league. And however, kind of a deeper dive might show that um, there's more to it than just the numbers on the page. Like the, the pass rush excelling significantly just with his presence on the field. And I think that, Sometimes when you have an organization like the Bills have been able to build, that's funny, Bills, build over the last few years where it's this very, very, very structured, you know, uh, Bean has done such a great job. Like they want to pay. They'll pay extra for guys that they know are going to be helping the organization. They're good for the organization, not just, you know what I mean, statistics, but on the field they know that Ed Oliver is going to be a leader, he's going to provide that kind of resiliency, that Bills Mafia type, you know, grit. And I think, like, even though the numbers might not reflect in his salary, 
what his peers are doing in the NFL at his position, the presence on the field is a little bit, you pay a little bit extra for that. You I mean, know you mean? know there's guys like that across the league, too, that even if the play's not on their half, they're you're afraid to go towards them. You're yeah. trying to avoid. And that makes a big, you know, you might not get credited for the tackle, uh, the sack, or, you know, the, the forced throw, but, you know, he does definitely make a difference even if the play is not right right up to him. Looking at the, uh, the Bills' defensive stats with him in the lineup versus out when he's on the field when he's not, on the field, mm-hmm. it's kind of amazing. I mean, his personal stats, he has the um, disadvantage of missing a few games. So he's 13 against a lot of other ta- um, defensive tackles, 16 or 15 games. Um, so his personal counting stats um, aren't as shiny, missing the games. But if you take the games where he's not playing and you look at all the the the, the Bills defense, what's left, mm-hmm. amazing. It's like a if my math in my head is correct, we're looking at like a 30% drop, 15, 20, 30%, give or take, percent drop in tackles, in interceptions, in forced throws from the opponent's forced throws, um, even more downs. They just get, the opponents get more downs when he is not on the field. So just like you were saying, even if his personal numbers mm-hmm. aren't shining like, you know, the most attractive thing in the world, he really does make a difference to everyone else on the field. Yeah, his his uh his size isn't like isn't his weapon, but he he disrupts plays enough to where the, his teammates can succeed more with it too. So that's just another way to point out what's really valuable about this extension for the Bills is the overall benefits that he provides to the team as a whole i mean because he makes everybody around him better like how rogue one a star wars story makes episode four a better movie because it's a great prequel it makes it a better movie so he makes everybody around him better you have to know too that as so many players on his his team and everyone around him just says what a culture guy he is and when you're trying to go win a super bowl you want or any major championship you don't just need performers mm-hmm. you need a good culture you need good teammates to have each other's backs that want to play for and with each other and that's just i mean from what everyone's saying that's what he brings to the table that's so the- how valuable you know you can't put a price tag on that sometimes and you know there's players and you know in the NFL and other leagues they might be there and that's their main contribution they might not be doing as much on the field or on the ice but they are bringing something to the locker room in the dressing room yeah. that is really valuable to the team. So I think all around cannot complain with this uh, and looking forward to hopefully a full full season from them. That's a good point. And that was the word that I was looking for when I was talking earlier, when I first started this segment, was the word culture. That was the word I was looking for. It just escaped my brain completely. The Bills have built that culture over the last several years with McDermott and with Bean and bringing and obviously Allen leading the way here in this new era of Bills football. But And the Sabres are really getting there too. Uh, ever since Adams came in, and we'll talk more about the Sabres in a little bit, but culture, that was the word. And we can all relate from not in a football locker room, but on a personal experience level, we can relate what it's like having a guy in a room, a locker room, obviously hockey being what I'm referencing. Personal experience, we can relate to having a guy in a room who might not be the high-end player. He might not be the most talented guy in the roster, but the intangibles that he brings off the ice and then therefore onto the ice just Wasn't, makes it, it's like an attribute. I boost. feel like this was an excerpt out of your autobiography. It is. It's called careful. 
Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point, Jacob. Yeah. I can't. Say. I won't. I won't go there. Yeah. It's called Tommy Jirasi TBD. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, no, can't be uh, can't be upset about that. And then another really exciting thing for the Bills, obviously, you know, kind of the biggest news from the draft. You know, Kincaid Ooh, is exciting. Moving on is exciting. You go. have to be excited, and I, people, you I'm know, pumped for Kincaid. I ha- really am. Very much so. Yeah. And you can't. I mean, we as Bills fans, but the the whole league, terrorized by the Gronkowski and the Kelseys, oh the big God. tight ends that are powerful, the yards after reception. Nightmare. This is what Kincaid does best. He might not beat you, you know, flat out. He's not going to, you know, run the routes that Diggs runs and, and mm-hmm. be, you know, 60 yards downfield just blowing by guys. But if we can have a player like a Gronk or like a Kelsey that we know when he gets the balls, he's squeezing two, three yards out, you know, paired up with Knox, if he is what they say he's going to be, we could have one of the most lethal one-two punches for tight ends across the whole league. Speaking of kind of going off of what they say, they say in quotes for anyone who's not watching us but Mm. listening, I just put up air quotes. They say, I am now quoting or reading excerpts from the Draft Network. So this is kind of a report on um, Kincaid's when he was drafted, when he Mm -hmm. was, I think this was before he was drafted, but uh, his report. But some of these quotes, I mean, they they try to fluff up all of these draft prospects. That's the, the goal. But you look some, through some of these things that they're saying about him, and some just some of these quotes, um, sure-handed receiver pops out, explosive movements, um, strength larger than his size, all these things that just kind of make you excited to see it on the field. And I'm looking at uh, the Bills' tight end stats. and From they, last year. From last year, from 2022. Mm-hmm. Obviously Knox, I mean, yep. outstanding. Mm-hmm. And Sweeney um, had some big games. Decent, moments. decent quarterback to, from passing to you, though. That makes a big It does help. It doesn't hurt. But what I'm looking at is, so the question, one question is going to be, are the Bills going to put out one, two tight ends? What, what are they going to put out at a time? And also, mm-hmm. what are they going to put out two that have the same play style? Because Kincaid, as a prospect, obviously college is different. He played at Utah. It's, it's a different conversation. But his yards, his receive, his yards receive, his receives per yard, they, um, it's outstanding, and it's not, it's not the NFL. We know this; it, it doesn't translate one to one. But clearly, his style of play is that of closer to a receiver than almost anything. He really likes to have the ball, and the question is: Are the Bills going to put out yeah. two tight ends who want the ball, or they might kind of match one? Well, yes. That's a really good point. And actually, so um, the Bills last year, if I read this correctly, if I remember correctly, the Bills last year were, I mean, this isn't really something to be ranked last. And I mean, technically they were, but they did not align 12 personnel, quote unquote. There's your air quotes right there, Jacob. 12 personnel alignments last year with two tight ends on the field. The Bills did not do that last year. Now, Josh Allen has admitted recently that he's going to t- dial back his running game pretty soon. I mean, and we expected that to happen because Allen's not going to be 26 forever and his body's not going to be able to take it forever. As awesome as he is, those incredible leaps, uh, you know, hurdles Stiff that we see, we're not going to see it forever. Yeah. Although, can you just premonition down the line like a Super Bowl game and Josh Allen's like 37 years old and here comes old man Allen and he just hurdles the guy. 
breaks he, his leg doing it, but he goes into the end zone and he wins the Super Bowl. You for the saw Bills. you saw this with every you know big quarterback and you know Big Ben, dude. Big ben. Beginning of his career, he did a lot of Allen like things. He was lower in the shoulder. He was going for 20, 30 yard runs. He was taking hits, hurtling guys. Stiff and then, arms. But he had to change. It happens to every quarterback. Yeah. So obviously, you know, it, there was it. There were times that you know. We'd be watching a game and look at each other, and we see all these. You know, we got Gabe, da- Gabe Davis, we've got Allen, you know, Knox, and and or we got sorry Davis, and we have Diggs. We have Knox too. He's Knox, there. He exists. Allen, you know, just kind of going for the two yard run, and we're like, okay, we've got all of this talent, and you know, sometimes we don't see all of the the throw, the throw and pass plays that we want. So I mean, him running, obviously, it's a skill he's not going to just go away overnight. Yeah. But you know, with Kincaid and maybe just a little bit of you know offensive change in the design, the play call, you know, yeah, Allen's got one of the best arms in the league. He, Let's he you know use the run. And honestly, you can compare it to Mahomes. Mahomes has kind of mastered that. You know, he is a pass first guy, unless you know he sees the run quick and he'll do that. But, you know, I think Allen needs to just be a little bit more patient in the pocket. And hopefully with guys like Kincaid, you know, and maybe some different play calls, he can use that absolute cannon that he has a little bit more than we've seen in the past. Yeah, good point. And uh, to go back just to wrap up what my like where I started with this and how we got here is that with Allen maybe running a little less in the future. I mean, I'm not look, I'm not saying that Josh I mean, Allen's he's not 27. Gonna, I know, give, it, give he, it a few years. I know, but I mean, bodies deteriorate quick in the NFL quarterbacks. I mean, and and the Bills know and Allen knows that his arm is just as valuable as his legs, especially going down the line as he gets they to be a smarter QB. almost don't play QB. like that though. Like no, I they know. almost but don't play like that. With and let's remember the Bills traded up to get Kincaid. They traded up in the draft to get him. He was their guy. He was probably considered to be the best tight end in the draft. They got their guy. So are we going to see more two tight end, 12 personnel alignments this year with Knox and Kincaid out there so Allen can have more weapons out there? Because after Diggs and Davis, there is a legitimate conversation about if Allen has enough weapons out on the field. And, I mean, Docs, uh, Docs. What what's the thing where you switch the letters? Dawson There's a term for Dawson, it. Dawson Knox. Dawson yeah, Dawson yeah, Knox. Anyway, uh does he have enough weapons right now with Knox, with Diggs, with Davis? DeAndre I mean, Hopkins. <clears throat> Larry Fitzgerald. What's he doing? Is he retired now? Is T.O. still playing? T.O. can still play. He can Dude, still kick it. T.O. still he posts regularly on his Facebook like a Snapchat of him like shredded He's on a jacked. beach somewhere. He can play. He's jacked. Jerry yeah. Rice could play. Well, you have to be excited about Kincaid. And I you know, do. like Jacob said, it's a different game in college, but you know, they're still incredible athletes. They're strong. And he was breaking some tackles. He had two, three guys. The one clip, he looked like Jerome Bettis. He ha- literally had a yeah. guy on his back and he was running and running and trying to get tackled. So if they can bring a little bit of that tough, you know, extra couple yards after carry, that could be a big, big addition to the offense. So a lot to be excited about from him. Well, I think the uh, where we're at right now is we, we talked about those two, one defensive, one more offensive players, but going forward with our Bills talk, maybe our next episode or in coming weeks, mm-hmm. we will be d- deep diving into each of our positions and, and kind of, well, I don't know about every position, but more of the offense versus defense type thing and the conversation of uh, offensive weapons, we will get into it. It's a good conversation because... The style of play that the Bills put on the field feels like their scores, their just general run scored, could have been higher 
based on the way that they try to play. So the question is, do they play with a style that isn't conducive to the number of, to use the term that we've been using, offensive weapons? And it's an interesting, it's an interesting look to look at these scores and say they're trying to play maybe like a team that should be scoring more than they're scoring. Does Dawson Knox, uh, like, when he when he first like sees Kincaid, oh, have they seen each other yet? Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, OT, I'm sure. Okay. I'm sure. Do you think that he like gave him a fist bump? Uh, or do you think he went bump? like I was gonna say chest to chest? He's like, Bro, I'm the guy here. Like you're not yeah, the guy. Yeah, hundred percent. So you, you he goes he for the like, dap up. He right goes here. for the dap up. He pulls him real close. And he uh-huh, says, Hey, he goes, hey, I'm tight end one. Okay, I'm tight end, I'm tight end one. one. Yeah. You can be tight end two. You can be tight end. You can be te two. It's like it's like when you have little brothers right here, and you're playing a video game, and you. You know, you tell them that the controller's plugged in, but it's not really plugged in. That's mean. You know I mean, mean, oh yeah, you did. So this is a good, number Jakey. one draft pick. I'm talking more that you uh, turn his if we're, he, the bots he's playing against, you turn them to easy. That might be what it was. <laughs> Knox is like, well, listen, like, look at I. I played this game. I'm the guy. You're still here, but I just envision a huge chest bump just right out of could the have gate. Been, could have been. But at the same time, who I, has the bigger chest? Who has the bigger chest? Knox. I want Kincaid to I want Kincaid to push Knox because that's a good thing. That's a great thing. 100%. And, and just to touch on the controller being unplugged thing, obviously you guys didn't, but I did beat the absolute crap out of you guys in Shell for the most of the time growing up. Jacob especially. Joey, you finally gave me some competition near the end there. Uh, before you know, I moved out. Congratulations and, you know, but, uh, for taking advantage of your younger brothers. Yeah, absolutely. We were developing like our brain function, and you were scoring goals and telling us that we were like useless or worthless because we weren't fighting back. It was it was a tough time to be me. I hope you're yeah, proud of when, yourself. Though. When I say chill, I mean the NHL video games. And actually, Jacob and I, especially Joey, sometimes we still play this game called NHL Hits. Uh, for those who have never played it. Or if, you, if you like, I don't care if you like hockey or not. Go get a very old system that came out before, around the time Jacob was born, Rip. and um, play NHL hits, and, and you won't be disappointed. But, Especially 2003. So I I would like to trans uh, well, transition us if that's okay. Not quite the one. If we're gonna go from football, leaving football. Well, yeah, uh, we started start to talk about a hockey video game. So yes, we did, and that would have been a great transition. And I just botched it. Just, so you, that yeah, would have been you so left good. The last thing, though, we do have to mention um, with the Bills is just so everybody's aware, for those who don't keep track all the time of news and stuff going on, um, OTAs, or as they're known, which are organized team activities, uh, just finished up on Thursday. Feels more like a summer camp than a sports team. Yeah. yeah. Uh, So that's it's a voluntary uh, program that NFL teams run that guys, like there's a rookie camp, and like Stefan Diggs wasn't at any of them, which was to be expected, to be honest with you, but um, coming up on the 13th, so that's Wednesday. Yeah, 13th through the 15th, the Bills have a um, mandatory minicamp coming up. So we're going to get to see some looks Tuesday. there. It's Tuesday? Today's whatever. 11th, it's Sunday. Oh, that makes sense. My wife's birthday's on the 15th, which I know is Thursday, so I should have dated. That. Should have gone back, too. Hopefully she doesn't Spoonerism. listen. Spoonerism. Uh, forget listen that. to this part. Spoonerism. But anyway, more uh, discussion in our next episode. We'll probably dive into some storylines, what to watch for in that uh, mandatory minicamp. So. Spoonerism. What's spoonerism? Is a slip of the tongue wherein you swap the first sounds, mm-hmm. generally initial consonants, of two or more words to create... A new wo- word or words all together. Knox and Docs? 
knocks and docks. Careful when you mix up words. Sometimes things sound um, explicit when they do not mean to be. So, mm-hmm. But it can be funny. That could be a, a segment is uh, I give you a player and we switch names and we try to make maybe like new players. That My could favorite be... wide receiver in the Buffalo Bills is Defon Siggs. He's got wheels. Would that be, would that be it? That would be the what's it? Spoonism? Yeah, spoonerism. Well, yeah, okay. so spoonerism. Uh, anyway. Definitely more bills talk to come. I yeah. mean, you know, quiet times and hot times. You know, big big news might pop up, but you know, for the next Ash little bit, Jalen. we're just gonna Ash Allen. Keep All a right. look at it. But. So we did have yes, Bills episode two. More talk on the Bills, obviously, but now let's transition because this is two balls one puck, and we're gonna sandwich the puck in between the two balls tonight, and we're gonna move on to some. Hockey talk. Buffalo Sabres. What is going on with the Sabres? Not a whole lot. If we're, if but, we're being real. Yes being no. real. Yes and but no. you can make a lot out of nothing, to be honest with you. But on, there is not nothing. But we did say in episode zero, like with the Sabres specifically, they're in this little little bit of a slow time, and then things are really going to heat up um, at the end of this month and into early July with, excuse me, with free agency uh, with the draft first and then free agency, and then obviously, like, trade markets going to open wide up. So there are some topics to discuss. Although the, the Sabres, Sabres are in the slow time, you know, the off season. honestly, when's the last time that you've actually been excited and really keen on watching what the Sabres are doing in the offseason, from prospects to draft yeah. to training camp to, you know, their AHL players and how they performed in playoffs. So while the Sabres are in the offseason, and, you know, and especially once the Stanley Cup Finals wrap up in the next couple of days and we go through the awards and everything, you know, it's going to get quiet, but I'm so mm-hmm. excited to actually pay attention and yeah. you know really be focused on the Sabres offseason because it means something. You know, not that it didn't last year, but after the year that they had, missing playoffs by one win that they could have had against Columbus or Montreal. Yeah, or Alex talk Tuck about that. You know, in Florida, it's, there's a lot to be excited about. And honestly, you know, it's really cool. We've seen some amazing play for some young guys. Some of it in the NHL and some of it in the AHL, but. You know, we have to touch on that, you know, big thing coming up, development camp. You know, it's at the Harbor Center, which is a super cool place right outside of the Sabres Key Bank Arena. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the roster's not out yet. There's a lot of players we can look for, though. You know, we saw a couple of them up in the NHL, like we mentioned, too. And, you know, there's a lot to be excited about, Tom. So who are some of the guys? You know, I, there's a couple big names, you know, last year's draft, AHL mm. players. You know, there's some exciting talent in oh. Rochester right now to keep an eye out for. Yeah, Rochester. Uh, which, by the way, nobody, um, or not nobody, but you might not keep track of uh, the Rochester Americans, which is the Sabres AHL minor league affiliate, but they made a run this year in the Calder Cup playoffs. They got to the Eastern Conference Finals and bowed out to the Hershey Bears, Mm -hmm. who, I don't know why, but Hershey always seems like they have a terrific program. But it's really cool to see the Sabres minor league team get that far because it shows that we've got some good stuff in the cover. Like it's, it's looking good. And the young um, guys were pitching in too. It's not like yeah. they were just along for you the know ride. What, you know what would be, it's like, it, it's the like dustiest thing to do, but of all time, but has a team ever just like right before the AHL playoffs, just loaded up and signed a bunch of vets like that were out of the, it just like, maybe that wouldn't actually work, but the, probably not. It's a different, league. it'd be I, funny. Okay. I, if I may, thirty-seven-year-old average age for your minor league team. The um, I am not going mm-hmm. to say the name of the team because I know that I don't know it exactly, and I don't want it to be wrong. 
but I know for sure that with the, if I had to guess, I would say 2017 because that's when I was, I was in high school, so 16, 17, 18, somewhere okay. in that range. I'm mm-hmm. dating myself here. A team got in trouble. I, I'm, I'll look it up after. You got in trouble when you were 18? No, a, an NHL team got in trouble for taking what did you do, Jacob? six or seven of their oh. active young players and just saying, go win the Keller Cup. Oh, I actually kind of remember that. And yeah. they did not it. win. They lost in the finals, but they got in trouble because they took their roster, forfe- basically forfeited their last like three or four or five regular season games and said, go try to win this AHL <laughs> You know, must have been kind of cool. I mean, obviously the NHL lockout was not fun for NHL fans or players, but you had some genuine superstars playing in the AHL and the ECHL. So, like, you know, if you've got a local ECHL or AHL team that's around you and you can go and see the NHL superstar, you know, the 50 50 goal score from the NHL is coming Mm -hmm. to play. Can you imagine being that AHLer that, like, just cracked the lineup and now you've got a full-fledged all-star team against you? Yeah. Yeah, but I mean anyway. Rochester, lot to talk about. I mean Yuri Coolidge. Matt, so there's a lot, you know, yeah. Lots of, and yeah. now you mentioned at the top here the development camp, which yep. was just recently announced. And for those who don't know what development camp is, um, it's essentially rookie training camp uh, for a chance for um, all the Sabers prospects to work out with their training staff, with their with some of the coaches and stuff like that. And it's free to the public. Um, anybody who's in the Buffalo area or here in the Southern Tier, Jamestown, wherever it is, if you want to take that short hour and 15-minute drive up to the Harbor Center, which is right next to Key Bank Center, and watch the Sabres prospects play and practice and develop, it's super cool to watch. It's July 2nd through the 6th. That's at Harbor Center. And I know at the last day, uh, which is a Sunday, July 6th, they do a little three-on-three tournament competition with each other, and it's it's really, really cool. But... Yeah, so that's what's like, that's what's new in the news for the Sabers. Obviously, uh, that camp will uh, include, like Joey just said, a lot of um, prospects that we have that we know about, a couple that we've seen already in Buffalo. Um, but it will also include uh, the prospects of the Sabers draft at the upcoming draft at the end of the month, and which is in. Where is the draft this year? Montreal? Something like that? I have to look that up. But um, anyway, uh, yeah, some of the names that Joey might have mentioned Nashville. really quick. It's in Nashville? Montreal must have been last year or something then. I don't Couldn't know. have been more wrong. I, I could have been more wrong. Not much. I, okay, well, anyway, names like that might not stand out to people that are listening, but that names that you'll probably want to make yourself familiar with and that we're going to make you familiar with, with right now. Yuri Kulich, who absolutely was a beast in the AHL this year, tore it up. Was and he was a Sabres draft pick uh, last year, twenty twenty two pick, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and the Sabres first round pick last year, Matt Savoy, is another big one to look at, and he actually fell to the Sabres uh, from last year in last year's draft. The Sabres took him first. Um, with their first pick, and he actually, in what would be considered in the North American rankings, he fell down to the Sabres, and it, I thought it was a fantastic pick. He was supposed to go, like, top five. He could have even slipped up maybe top three last year. Last year's draft wasn't super deep, but Kulich, Savoy, um, Lucas uh, Rausick, who... 
We saw a couple times. We saw a couple games. Yep. Scored on his first NHL shift. Yes, he did. It was, was really fun. cool. He yep. actually, yep. So he's got his taste of NHL action. So uh, we're. You'll gonna... also see some of the young Sabers that we saw more regularly. They still will participate in that camp. Like so who, some Joey? Of the young Tell guys. me about some of those guys. That um, are young. I, honestly, you you have to think you? even Peyton Krebs. You know, Krebs was there last year, and even though he played another, he might. Does he's Krebs still very young. Qualify as a prospect. Still, I, is I, he going to be? At he's the still on camp? his entry level. So I mean, it's. You got to think that those mm. that's who can qualify, you know, for the developmental camp. So, you know, okay. there's still, you might see that. And you know who might be there as Tage well, Tom? Thompson we, we, shows up and he just <laughs> absolutely terrorizes everybody and says, okay, you guys are not even close. You know, straight out of college, Tendy yeah. between the pipes. Ooh. I mean, he's going to be the, he, he's the Sabres' number one pro. Yes, he played the entire rest of the year with us. And, some, you know, Levi, some more on him yep. in a little bit. Um, just a couple other things, you know, about yep. uh, about the Amherst. You know, honestly, like you said, a great run. Um, maybe didn't get the attention that it deserves, but they they came back from a couple of series deficits, came back from a couple of game deficits, and had a great run. And something that's a little bit of a sour note or unfortunate, Lawrence Pilot. Uh, you know, we saw him a couple of times in the mm. last few years with the Sabers. Small, quick puck moving defenseman. He was incredible for the Amherst, especially in playoffs. For the Amherst, yeah. Oh. For the Amherst, he. Had yeah. Had his moments in Buffalo, you know, yeah. he saw some promise, but he uh, signed a professional contract in Switzerland. So for the time being, he's kind of out of the question. Yeah, you know, I'm um, not to be totally honest, and this is just my opinion. I'm not sad to see Pilot go. He, no. he at at his best, he provided a se- seventh defenseman for the Sabers. I mean, at, at his best, he was. I mean, really, he never cracked to be a top six defenseman. No, but you have to think he's almost an identical game to Jacob Bryson, but I think brings a little bit more talent. So, I mean, you have to think, you know, obviously he's not what the Sabres need. You know, the Sabres and their decor, they're looking a different direction. They need Uh a little bit more stability, some size. Look at the Stanley Cup Finals right now. Mm -hmm. Vegas Golden Knights' smallest defenseman is Alex Martinez. He's, what, 6'2"? The so Golden Knights are just a wagon. I, incredible. I, I can't get so Sabers, right you know, now, we don't need another five seven, you know, defenseman. They need some strength and size back. I there, wish so Pilot well. Yeah, flying over because his last name is Pilot. He Do you think he's flies. got a pilot's license? No, I would, not even spelled like close. No, it's, it's got, not. It's got like one or two. Yeah, I know. Like if you have a na- last name like that, like do you have to just follow it? Like no matter what, if your last name is like. Strawberry. There's a term for that. At Oliver's oh, allergic wait, to strawberries. So I mean, staying along the lines of the Sabers and you know, just looking ahead, <laughs> looking ahead, you know, NHL draft combine. Yeah, we uh, actually, just uh, me, just transpired. We should have actually probably started with yep, that instead but, of the development camp because it would have led into it better. It's but, okay. It's yes. good to know that you know. It's, it's good to know what the Sabers might be looking for this year in the draft. So Tom, tell us a little bit. You know who the Sabers look at, who they talk to in the combine, because you know there's a lot of talent in this draft pool. Obviously, Connor Bedard has swept all the talks, and uh, he's don't think he's gonna fall to the Sabers in this draft. Uh, so who who do you think the Sabers might have their eyes on? Who they talk to this year, Tom? Thank you, Joey. You're uh, but if Bedard fell to the Sabers, which 11, 12 other teams would have to have amnesia. Or be held at gunpoint, if potentially. If you can get 12 GMs in a room and men in black them, and yeah. it wipes them, that's yeah. like my third pop culture reference so far in this episode. But hey, if you, you can do that, limited you're to five. And, and then, and I, then I was gonna say the Blackhawks yeah. have the first pick, and the GM's sitting there, and he's like, I forgot who I was going to take. And the, the scouts are like, we're, we're taking Bedard. He's like, but I, I don't have, the, who, who I, I don't have that? that on my sheet yet. I don't, I don't have that, that on is. my sheet. No, no, Kevin no, no, Adams no, 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 is just no. sitting behind <laughs> him like this. Just... It's, it's Connor Bedard. We're, we're taking Bedard. And then Gary Bettman's like, the clock is ticking. He's looking at him, and it's 
and it's gone to the last 10 seconds and but they don't have the power and the owner's not there he like he, because the owners don't go to the draft so he's not there so he doesn't have the power so the gm just forgets and then it just happens 12, 12 more times, times 11 more times, times. Yeah. and kevin adams is like I didn't get I'd say the odds on that. If I was a betting man, I probably wouldn't bet bet on that. So, uh, you know, the draft is coming up. Sabres, you know, they've got a lot of young talent, um, but they still have some holes to fill, and you got to look ahead. If the Sabres are going to be a good team and compete in the NHL, Mm -hmm. we're not looking at this year alone or next year. We've got to look ahead. So, you know, what do you think, Tom? Uh, Who do they? Well, who they talk to first, and then what do you think that they need compared to who they are looking at? So. Yeah, and all serious now here, away from the Men in Black stuff. Um, something also really cool, This the NHL Combine happened in Buffalo, and it's actually been held in Buffalo numerous times, and it's actually become the NHL's like premier destination to hold the Combine because the Harbor Center is such an incredible complex. And Amazing they, facility. Yeah. And so what the NHL Combine is, for those who aren't familiar, like I mentioned with the development camp, is like for it's for rookies for the Sabres, on the specifically Sabres prospects that come to training camp, the NHL Combine is a chance for, well, if you're familiar with the, did I say NFL? I meant to say NHL if I said NFL, but anyway, it's basically the exact same thing as the NFL. The prospects for the upcoming draft attend. It's man. It's not mandatory. It's voluntary. Um, and they work out in front of the scouts. Like, for example, uh, Connor Bedard, who's the number one uh, rated prospect this, in this year's NHL draft. And, and in the NHL draft since McDavid. Yeah, he's getting comparisons to Connor McDavid and, you know, that level of hype. He, for example, he did, you, you do pull-ups and you run sprints and you do all the, the basic workouts to show the scouts uh, what you really can do um, just on a physical level. And so that's all the combine is. It's not anything uh, on ice or anything like that. But anyway... The and also provides teams a chance to talk to these prospects in advance before they draft them. Because let's be real, at this level, at the professional level, you're not just drafting a guy based on his stat sheet. We talked about this earlier with Ed Oliver mm-hmm. with the Bills. You're drafting, especially with the Sabres, you're drafting somebody who you envision being a part of your team, succeeding on your team for a long time. Now, that doesn't always happen. It actually rarely does if a draft pick becomes a lifelong player on your team or even a significant piece of your team. I mean, not all of them pan out. Most of them don't. However, the combine allows teams to talk to prospects early to get to know who they are on a personal level. You know, um, the vibe that they're going to give in the locker room, what kind of personality they have, you know, what what do they order when they go to McDonald's, that kind of stuff, you know, because well, that's very important. Uh, something interesting to note, though, is out of the players that the Sabres said they talked to, you know, six prospects that they noted, mm-hmm. majority of them are wingers. So looking at the Sabres roster, you know, it, it is interesting. So, I mean, obviously it, you can be one way or another with the Sabres goaltending in the future. Obviously, you know, with with Levi, you know, Levy, Levi, with Le- Levi here, Levi. we have to be excited. It He's incredible. Levi. You know, people are up and down about UPL. You know, Eric Comrie is still a young goal, youngish goalie that, you know, has had some great numbers. Yeah. But it's still interesting to see that, you know, if you had to pick one position the Sabres were deepest at from their NHL team mm-hmm. into the minors and their prospects, even their prospects overseas, wingers, yeah. kind of their strength, if they have any. So, so it's interesting to see that they talk to the majority of wingers and only two defensemen yeah, you know, that, in that combine. It was reported that the Sabres talked to six prospects at the combine, and four are wingers, two are defensemen. Mm-hmm. 
uh, for those who are not familiar with how um, the draft rankings go. So every single year, the NHL has what they call their NHL Central Scouting Rankings. Mm -hmm. And at multiple points in the year, um, these players that are eligible in the upcoming draft are ranked based on North American skaters and then North American goalies and European skaters and European goalies. That's the official way that the NHL does it. So your sites, your outside sites, are going to rank them all together. But the Sabres know that they're picking 13th in the first round this year, and I, I don't envision the Sabres trading up in the draft. And the reason I say that, unless they really like one of these wingers, and I'm going to talk a couple about a couple of these. We're not going to do a deep dive into these guys. Um, we're going to dive. That can be a fun future yeah. segment. Yeah, yeah, thank you, Jacob, but, but, uh, who's just been picking his nose this whole time. He hasn't talked in. Well, I've got so many fun things to say. But... I know, I know, but we like to talk. You know, I, I think that, you know, it's it's good. Obviously, Sabres and their young guys, it's a topic. You know, I think that we have plenty of time in the offseason if we want to get into that. So I, I think that, you know, a couple of things to look at for the Sabres now, too. Uh, one thing that I, you know, heard and I read from many sources, apparently, is that a lot of agents across the NHL have reported that the players they represent have removed the Sabres off of their no trade or no move clause list. So, you know, when an NHL player signs a contract, they have the power, depending on the player and their contract, to have a list of teams that they decide they do not want to go to, to be traded to, no matter what. And so Sabres, for obvious reasons, were on a lot of players' lists. They didn't want to be traded. So now, seeing a lot of these players remove their no trade clause to the from the Sabres, you have to think that it's not just Buffalo fans. The whole league is getting a sense that the Sabres are moving in the right direction. So mm-hmm. that's a really cool, really cool topic. And to think about the Sabres and going in the right direction, two of the most important names that we need to talk about and hoping that, you know, we can get things settled, Rasmus Dahlin and Owen Power and, you know, mm. what their offseason looks like for them. Yeah, uh, good transition um, to wrap up the combine stuff before we start getting into that next topic and then... Um, this is probably where we're going to curb our Sabres talk for uh, this episode is where we're about to go with, you know, these extension rumors and whatnot. And just to finish on the combine thing, I mentioned that we're going to do a deeper dive. Jacob said that uh, potentially a good future episode, which it is. We'll go into a full, much deeper dive in, into a preview of the Sabres draft, their needs, some of the prospects that they're eyeing, who might be a good fit. Um, but... The Sabres are picking 13th, like I said, and I don't think that they're going to move up. It's possible, but the guys that they're looking at, I made the, uh, or I talked about the how the central scouting works in, in the NHL. And so the guys that the Sabres are talking to are about there in their respective categories around where they're projected to go in those rankings. Like, for example, uh, the Sabres talked to um, a player named, a prospect named Matthew Wood, who is ranked fourth on the North American skaters list. That doesn't mean that he's ranked. He might be ranked fourth with the American or the European skaters as well. He'd probably be a little further down, but he's ranked higher than 13 overall, most likely. Mm-hmm. And the Sabres feel that they might be able to grab him. So, and then they've talked to a couple other guys. Uh, and again, um, that are around that area. And we'll go into this more later, a couple of defensemen and other wingers that are in that relative vicinity. Mm-hmm. So the Sabres don't envision because this is a deep draft coming up. They don't envision guys falling to them, I don't think. And I don't think that they're going to trade up. But more to talk about that later. Definitely. Later I episode. Mean, 
Yeah. So I let's have to just into, talk about Rasmus Dahlin. Let's get into the Dahlin. There's talks, stuff. you know, there's projected contract oh, extensions, yeah, yeah. you know, and I I honestly just think that the Sabres, in reason, obviously, should throw the bag at Dahlin. He is potentially underrated across the whole league. Just simply, if you don't watch him day in and day out, obviously his offensive talent, we've seen that from when he was playing World Juniors before he even got drafted by the Sabres. Mm-hmm. He can skate his stick handling. Incredible. Passing, incredible. But what he brings to the Sabres, a lot of people, if you're not watching him day in and day out, they don't see. But he has become, especially this past season, a great defenseman not a skilled defenseman we see Eric Carlson you know on the San Jose Sharks playing forward from the defensive position Darlene makes a difference when he's on the ice in all three zones Mm -hmm. he is so valuable if you want the Sabres to be a competitive team in the next couple of years with this core group that they've built and Adams has done such a great job building this core and creating this culture and Granado's been incredible at the helm you have to think Darlene needs to be there these next couple of years if we're going to want to sniff the playoffs and further into playoffs. Yeah, an interesting, here's Darlene we're talking about. We'll, we'll, a little bit on power as well, but Darlene, he is the bigger topic, especially as we uh, look to move from the Sabres to the Yankees. But uh, the point on Darlene is just looking at some of his advanced stats. So his counting stats, you can... You know, anyone you can look these up. They're they're very available. His points, his even like block shots, time on ice. But some of his advanced defensive stats are just so much better than they've been in years past. And his offensive stats have never been a question. Mm-hmm. It's never been is he going to be a two way defenseman? It's it's he was so offensive that it's becoming this two way conversation now, which is the conversation we want to have is this two-way defenseman, and his defensive stats. So just as an example, he has a, um, there's a stat called DZS. It's defensive zone start percentage that uh, when plays start in the defensive zone, Darlene has a successful defensive zone play 45% of the time, which ranks in the top 15 defensemen in the um, Eastern Conference, which, you know, you give one, defenseman to to a team and that means he if you uh, lay it out that way he's the that means Darlene is the best defensive one of the best defensive Mm -hmm. defensemen not only on the team but he's better than a almost every defensive defenseman in the conference and that is Jake what constitutes a successful defense so a blocked shot Mm -hmm. a intercepted pass a stick lift an interfered skating lane, that not the not interference like the penalty, but getting in right. the way, right. or a cleared puck. So 45 percent of the time that Darlene is on the ice, mm-hmm. he or in is, a defensive zone faceoff. It, not even a faceoff. Oh, just playing play. in the yeah. defensive okay, zone. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So, so I mean, the, you can. I'm sure you could butter knife stats however stat, you wanted to. You know, that's an awesome stat. But even just from watching him, just from the eye test, Darlene looked so much more comfortable when he mm-hmm. was on the ice. He was breaking up plays. He was lifting sticks, moving bodies out in front, and we saw a chippiness from Darlene that we haven't seen in years past. He was getting in the scrums, mixing it up, standing up for his goalie and his teammates around him. And if you want a franchise defenseman, you know, in the NHL right now, yes, it's moving away from the physical and the and the fighting, but you need yeah, a guy Cal that McCarr. can stand his ground out there. You know, you really do. And, and Darlene has yeah. really stepped into that two-way role this year, and hopefully he can keep leaning into 
great offensive stats, but also a guy that we can put in the zone on a, on a penalty kill, you know, last minute of the game. We don't want a fifth forward on the back end. Darlene has really stepped up his D play. So, Tom, what do you, what do you think on Darlene? What do you think? You know, there's rumors. There's some you know stuff out there of what the contract's going to look like. Sure. In your opinion, what do you think Darlene's contract should look like? You're Kevin Adams. You're the sure. GM. What do you think a fair, good, reasonable, and also offer you know good offer for him and for the Sabers? You know, sure. what does that look like? What do you think? Okay, so that's a great question. The rumors right now out there are actually the most recent report is that the Sabres have a deal in place for Darlene already, and they're just waiting for July 1 to pull the trigger because mm-hmm. that's when they can. And just for some clarification really quick, Darlene is not a free a free agent at the end this summer. Like, only, like, he still has one more year on his contract. Mm-hmm. And, the Sab- like, the Sabres have, I mean, they'll have a full, basically, calendar year, so to speak, uh, to extend Darlene uh, so he doesn't ever hit free agency so other teams have a chance to pursue him. Um, if you look around the league and you look at comparatively the numbers that Darlene has put up, before Darlene got injured last year, he was on keeping pace with Eric Carlson offensively, points production-wise. Excuse me, I keep having these like little hiccups. I don't know what's happening. can't be the allergy thing. But anyway, Darlene was having, he was keeping pace with Eric Carlson on the San Jose Sharks who ended up winning the Norris Trophy, which is for the most valuable defenseman for the best defenseman in the league. And Eric Carlson's making $11.5 million a year. Kale McCarr, for those not familiar, probably one of, if the, I mean, one of the most talented hockey players on planet Earth right now is carrying a cap hit of $9 million. Mm-hmm. Um, and now McCarr is going to become a free agent again uh, soon. and or Not soon. I shouldn't say soon. But in his prime, when he's still in his prime, he's going to become a free agent again, and he's going to make a lot of money. So what does Darlene's contract look like? That's the question. What should it look like? The reports are an eight-year, $10 million per. Those are the reports that Kevin Adams is going to lock him up on July 1, Rasmus Darlene, and they can sign him for a maximum of eight years, being the team that controls his rights, um, just for... Uh, Yankees lost for um, more on that later for people who don't know if you are an NHL team and you pursue a free agent that's not on your team you can sign him for a maximum of seven years so anyway the report is eight years ten per personally if that was the deal I would absolutely eat that up I'd eat that up ten million dollars five years from now for if he's producing at the same caliber is going to be a steal it's going to be a steal. And the Sabres so far, Kevin Adams has done a tremendous job yeah. locking up some guys. Tage at, Thompson, yes. Dylan Cousins. Tage no, Thompson's future. Yeah. $7.6 million cap hit right now is already possibly the biggest steal in the NHL. Already, and we're one year into his contract. Cousins hasn't gotten there yet to show that it's going to, but it's going to be worth it. Mm-hmm. But if Adams can get Darlene on $10 million a year, he absolutely should pull the trigger. Yeah, absolutely. And and there's another, you know, we could talk about this again. There's a long off season for the Sabres yet to come and what we can talk about there. 
um, you know, the things that they can do. A lot of young talent, another, you know, topic for the future. Owen Power, you know, looking at him, he had a good year, ranked really high among rookies in general, especially rookie defensemen, offensively and defensively, had some great statistics as well. So, you know, speaking of young talent, I think this is a great time. It's a great transition. To transition this into the young talent that there's a lot to talk about going away from the Buffalo Sabres to the New York Yankees, and especially the reason I'm transitioning (sighs) here. Anthony Volpe just pinch hit in the bottom of the 10th inning with a runner on third and struck out on three pitches to end the game and a series loss to the Boston Red Sox. So uh, let's get right into it. Nominative determinism is the term when it's called, it it means name-driven outcome. It is when you name something and then you continue on in life as... um, continuing that career path if you were to be named Daryl Strawberry instead of being a superstar MLB outfielder you would be a (laughs) strawberry (laughs) farmer so that is nominative determinism so Lawrence Pilot does not not a pilot but Anthony Volpe could be named now this is a hot take could be named Anthony something not so encouraging in the first two and a half months of the season it's a real conversation Volpe has been a a very below average defensive and offensive shortstop. He's young. I am not out on Volpe as a player, as a superstar in the future, potentially. That's a big term. But definitely as a contributor, I'm not out on it. But as of right now, the Yankees have lost two of have won two of their last six games against the White and Red Sox combined. Mm. Two below five hundred teams. The Yankees look like a shell of a playoff team without Aaron Judge. And yeah. we can start with the Volpe conversation if you'd like. It's a real conversation. It is. Because and, you know, the Yanks, we still have to remember, I'm going to say two things that we need to keep in perspective. One, when we talk about Volpe, I don't think any of us are down and out on him. Nope. I don't think that anyone nope. in the Yankees nation is down and out on Anthony There are some Volpe. crazies in Yankees they, nation. Sure, they, but there's probably crazies out there that are down and out on Aaron Judge. So Well, he's a wimp. He has no toes. He has 10, one's just hurt. Story so, has nine Story toes. of his big toe, though. Two things to keep in mind. One, the three of us, along with, I'd say, the majority of Yankees fans, were so excited and watching training camp like they never have before. Elated. Waiting for the lineups to come out, yeah. and were just absolutely ecstatic when Volpe made the opening day lineup. Let's keep that in mind as we think about his current struggles. And also number two, yes, Yankees dropping two of their last six games against the White Sox and Red Sox. Winning you, two, dropping sorry, four. Sorry, dropping four. If they you put Sox. them in the AL Central, they have a commanding lead. But I have bad the news. They are not in the AL Central. Understood. And they will never so, be. So Yankees have not had a truly healthy lineup, and really far from it considering the injuries to their pitchers all season long. Yes, you know, bad times. We just got done with a pretty great month, a couple of great stretches, some huge series wins against really good teams. So, you know, Aaron Judge out of the lineup for who knows how long. You know, Volpe struggling. There's a lot of things that we can be scared about, but we have to understand the Yankees aren't in a terrible place. Yes, you know, the Rays are running away with the division again. You know, the Blue Jays are playing some incredible baseball and the Orioles, you know, are still right there ahead of everyone else. But so we Vol- we have to remember the Yankees aren't in a miserable place. It's not no. like they just drop and below 500. You know, see, I'm gonna have an, I'm gonna have to disagree in a, in that I'm not saying that they are out of anything. Not even the division as they fall ten games, nine and a half games behind today. 
Not saying they're out of it, but I would say that they are in as close to as a miserable place right now than they have been and that then hopefully they will be in the future. I'm not saying they're out. I'm saying right now it is not pretty. We have starting pitching from the people we didn't expect it, which is good, but at, I'm the biggest Garrett Cole supporter of all time. One of them, his May was not pretty. Nestor Cortez Here's on the, the injured list. We have um, Luis Steve. Severino, who was supposed to be this huge welcome back Severino. Three bad starts in a row. So I'm not. We're not out of this. This conversation is not the Yankees are out of anything. It is very real that they are not in the spot that you want them to be, except for their bullpen, which we will get to in a minute. But offensively, mm-hmm. and a lot of starting pitching performances have been that of a below championship caliber team, which they've been for now 14 years, and it's too long. It's just yeah. it's, and so it's not we, what they want to There's be. so much that we could unpack here about the Yankees, and you know, I think that we are going to have plenty of time to dive into a lot of this stuff. We have... You know, as we talked about Sabres, Bill season, you know, not too much going on. There's going to be stuff to talk about. We have a lot of Yankees talk ahead of us. You know, there's full-fledged in the season. So I think that, you know, at least for tonight, we need to just kind of stay away from the injury stuff because we know injuries affect the team. They're going to affect the team. You know, we know when Judge comes back, that's an immediate difference. We're hoping when Rodon comes back off injury, that's a difference. Cortez to the end. So let's just focus on the players that are in the lineup right now. Yeah, I'd like to stay on Volpe for a second. I mean, we we started talking about Volpe and we got off of him for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And by the way, people, if you're hanging with us and you're listening to all this stuff and you love it, we love you. And uh, now's a good chance to tell everybody really quick that – Give us feedback, like, please, if you're listening and you actually are, uh, and I know this is a weird place to put this, but it just crossed my mind. I don't want to forget at the end of the episode. So give us feedback. Like, we're so we're all brand new to this, and we're trying to learn. Um, and But I want to, you know, just I wanted to put that out before I forget. Um, so let's stay on Volpe for a second because, Joe, you're right. We could talk about injuries all day with the Yankees and why it's significantly impacting their ability to win. Um, there's a lot of guys out. Guys have been out. But with Volpe specifically, Joey, you mentioned that we were all elated when he made the roster. I think we all had a group hug when he did. I know I did. Our group chat uh, yes. was hilarious for, with me and for, with Volpe. I, I probably would have married the man at a time. I was so happy. Um, you always but, would love that. I mean, actually, my quick shout out, my uncle who lives in Indiana Big, big fan of all these teams. He's in our group chat. Um, he, after Volpe made the roster, he sent me. Okay. I got a, a letter in the mail from a random address of an Anthony Volpe rookie card. Let me say also, we were watching the first game of the season. Yes. Season when the mail came just in. Came your in wife house. brought the mail inside. Correct. Yes. And it was a random address. From, from New Jersey. Some, from New Jersey. Yep. With Anthony Volpe's rookie card, and it had a little letter on it. Um, I can't remember what it said, but I was genuinely, I was, it was funny at first, and then I started getting worried. I'm like, does somebody have my address? Like, what is this? And how would they know what what is going on? It was, it was both funny, but then kind of nerve wracking, until I texted like family members, and this is my uncle who lives in uh, Indiana, Rodney. What's up? Shout out. Um, he texted me back. He's like. People cannot complete the simplest tasks. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I 
told this guy to say this specific thing in your letter and he didn't do it and uh, so essentially he wanted them to say that it was being sent from Volpe from like Anthony hey Volpe. man I heard you're yeah. my biggest fan yeah you know yeah. here's my card thanks for rooting me on yeah. type thing and so, it did not say that anyway, it was weird it was strange funny yeah. story yeah, all funny. of this to say you cannot give up on Anthony Volpe he's no. 22 years old he is going through it right now the Yankees the reason that the Yankees are struggling right now is not because of Volpe. Is he part of it? Yes. Yes. 100%. So give up on him. Abs- struggling? Absolutely not. No. Give and up on him. But Aaron- at what point do we realize, hey, this division's slipping away? And yes, it's still relatively early in the season, but not really. It's not the opening month or two months anymore. At what point do we start looking at our weak spots in the team? You know, we can't, the, the Yankees, if they miss playoffs this year, come on. You know no, what don't I mean? even say that. So, well, That's heresy, no, my friend. We're, we're a game. It's a game away, Tom. At what point did they away. say, yeah, okay, know, Volpe, you've got a, a bright future here in New York. You know, we've got plans for you. Mm-hmm. You could be our next big franchise shortstop for years to come. But right now, you aren't helping us win games, and we need to. It's different. If they had a big Tampa Bay race size lead in the division, run out Volpe every single game. Let him struggle. Let him figure it out. But mm-hmm. at what point... Did no, they it, potentially make the decision to flip-flop the two shortstops that we thought we might or might not it, have? Oswald Peraza I is know, lighting I know. up It's a fair AAA. conversation. And Jacob, I actually want to hear your thoughts on something really quick. And but, Jacob, tell me what would happen if Volpe was in AAA right now oh, lighting cool, it up and Peraza <laughs> was in the MLB struggling and they weren't making this flop. There would be mayhem. Yeah. So what do you what do you think, Jake? What's your Volpe take? Go ahead, Jake. I appreciate the opportunity to speak. I didn't know if my voice would have a frog in it after being silent for so long. That's partially on me. <laughs> ah, shut up. But here's the reality. <laughs> no, you just have to talk louder than us. Oswald Peraza <laughs> had a, as they say, a coffee in the major leagues last year. A cup of coffee. So he had a taste of the majors. He played for a couple months. Cream and sugar. And he started in the AL um, D and CS as a starting shortstop. Oswald Peraza hit over 300 in two months of MLB baseball last year. Anthony Volpe. Including playoffs? Including playoffs, but he he only had. I know, but you have but to yes. consider they're throwing out the best guys yeah, that they got. But he yeah. did not have that. Yeah, including playoffs, which actually hurt his numbers. Yeah. But Anthony Volpe had a monster and an unbelievable spring training but the decision to start Volpe as the starting shortstop this year was made as we were told as we saw over and over again on based on spring training where he did win the job handedly Peraza hit in the 100s in spring training which is is a bad look but we've seen more times than we can count in baseball the Yankees and across the league Teams who pull up a player because they crush in AAA, mm-hmm. as I mean, just an example for the Yankees, we have um, Floreal, who is a, ma- a absolute monster. Estevan Floreal in AAA, he's never hit in the majors. He's never had a great sample size. Mm-hmm. But we had a decision on opening day between a shortstop who has shown in two months that they can hit major league pitch- pitching and yeah. is objectively a far better short defensive shortstop in Oswald Peraza and Anthony Volpe, who had an incredible spring training, absolutely has holes, clear holes in his defensive game at shortstop, his arm being one of them, his range one way versus the other is far better. Mm-hmm. He is not the, he was never said to be the shortstop of the future. 
And now he is the starting shortstop. He's played almost every game for a team that's supposed to win the World Series or supposed to contend. And there is not only a hole, but a hole that is exploitable and has cost, and you're not blaming nine innings of not scoring on one at-bat, but for two of the three um, Red Sox games in this past series, mm-hmm. Volpe was the final out. And it, it's obviously that's two at-bats. They, yeah. It's not the conversation um, breaker. But you do point to those and say, this is a hole that we have seen for two and a half months, and now it comes up in big spots. They should have won the game in the nine innings that they had to win the game. But much, yeah. it, they come up in a big spot, and it's a real, it's a real hole. It's, so, uh, so okay, let's. Uh, <laughs> we could talk about this, and we will talk about this more. But let's just say, you know, if you are Cashman, or if you're Boone, and you get to make this decision, are you making the flop? Or if n- yes or no. Do you think right now, or if it continues for another series the way it's going, do you say, hey, Volpe, instead of struggling, let's go build some confidence potentially in AAA. Peraza, you're raking. Let's reward you for working your butt off in AAA and being literally the best hitter the past month in all of the AAA league. Do you make that flop? Because the Yankees, you know, this division could very well with the Orioles and the uh, uh, Blue Jays who are great teams and the Rays' incredible lead, mm. this division could get away from them if they keep dropping series. Well, so division, do you make this move, Tom? The do you, divi- the do divi- you flop them? The division is dangerous as it is right now. Uh, like, the logical answer, like, if you're playing a video game and you look and you're like, oh, this guy's got these stats and this guy's yeah, got this stats, so I'm going to flip it. The New York Yankees don't operate like that. I don't think they do. I yeah. they Aaron Boone, if you anybody who saw the video of him of them welcoming Volpe and telling him that he made the team, they said, We think that you should do your developing at the major league level. And that's that that's is the heart what of it. he's doing. That's the heart of it, is that and, they're letting him develop. Correct. And that's and, a decision that is questionable. Look, I, I'm in full agreement with you guys about the fact that this is supposed to be a World Series championship team. And um the fact that you know there's a there's a hole in their lineup that's provided not providing anything right now. Um, you know th- we're not a, a, a rebuilding team. We're a team that needs to win now, and we don't like Joey. Like you mentioned, we don't have that luxury of a big lead in the division like the Yankees did early last year to let Volpe go out there. I mean that would have been the time to do it with guys like not Volpe last year, but Peraza and whatnot. Yeah. But at the end of the day, in my personal opinion. Anthony Volpe is not the reason the Yankees are losing games. The reasons the Yankees are losing games right now is because the production from players, aside from injuries, production from players like DJ LeMahieu, Josh Donaldson, Giancarlo Stan. Right now, I mean, I love Stan. I'm not a Stan hater, and I we're gonna talk. I'll talk plenty on Stan. We know it takes him a while to get going off of injury, but especially guys like LeMahieu and Donaldson who are commanding money. They're veterans, and they're not producing. And is recently, a real concern. Recently, it, that's, Rizzo, who was Rizzo's our best hitter, you know what? You know, baseball is but ups and downs. You, like you of said, course. Tom, injury aside, mm-hmm. are, the big players have to play. They I mean, have to play. Look, Willie Calhoun. I, I love our short thick King, King Willie. Yep, thick King. But he's he's hitting leadoff for the New York Yankees. Billy McKinney is in the lineup on a regular basis, and I know injuries no, have today. a lot to do with that. I understand that. Bader and Judge are out, so our outfielder's thin right now. Stanton's playing every other day. My dad has a field day with Stan about not playing. He thinks he's absolutely a wimp for not playing every other day, but that's who Stanton is right now, and he's not going to play the field for a while. 
So I understand that that's a portion of it, but the fact of the matter is that DJ LeMayhew is supposed to be our leadoff hitter. They envision Josh Donaldson producing more than he does at a 190 clip, hitting having six hits this year and five of them being home runs. I mean, and I know he was injured for a little bit too, but that's that's my problem, that the roster construction right now for the Yankees was not done enough. And this is something that would launch us into another hour that we don't have, and we're yeah. actually going to be wrapping things up here pretty soon. Um, but my last take on the Volpe situation specifically is um, we, we is that he's developing at the major league level, and the Yankees need to get guys back, and they need to maybe – deepen the roster a little bit, and then that nine-hole that Volpe might be able to get on every now and then and swipe a bag and continue to develop, that's okay. That's doable. But I completely understand the argument with Peraza raking in AAA right now. So, so here is – we're talking about the offense. Yeah. there are There's a thing, as, as the season goes, if you have a certain number of plate appearances, you become qualified to um, fall into certain stat categories. So that in baseball – it's as the season goes on, the more plate appearances you have, the more likely you are to qualify into stats. So, for example, if someone comes up and they hit a home run in their first major league at bat, they're not going to be the number one um, slugging leader in MLB because they have 100% of the time they have a home run. So you have to have a certain amount of plate appearances. So the Yankees currently have eight qualified players in the um, offensive categories. Eight players have had enough at-bats to qualify for the categories, which is pretty average. A lot of players have between like 7 and 10 or 12. Um, I'm going to talk about a stat called OPS+, plus, on-base percentage plus slugging, and then the plus at the end stands for, it means how you um, compare to the rest of the league. So if you are 100, mm-hmm. it means that you are average, that's league average, at getting on-base and getting extra base hits, doubles, triples, home runs. If you're 100, it means you're completely average. The Yankees have eight qualified players. They have, going from bottom to top, quickly, Oswald Cabrera, Anthony Volpe, Isaiah Kiner-Falefra, DJ LeMayhew, all qualify, and I have less than league average OPS+. Plus. Woof! You have to remember the, the Oakland Athletics. The first... Player on the Yankees that qualifies and is above league average is Willie Calhoun mm. at 105, and that can drop after today's game if he were. I don't. I don't know his box score I today. I think he went over. Yeah, but if he goes over over today, then that 105 the will likely go. Extra innings, but it did. It will likely go to 102, 103, somewhere mm-hmm. in that yeah, range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So after Calhoun, you have Glaber Torres 112, Anthony Rizzo 120. So you have three players who are just slightly above league average in OPS+. plus. This is on-base and extra-base hits. Aaron Judge is at 194, which is unbelievable. I mean, he has, so, a cute, he, has a, he has a cute city, probably. Aaron Judge is as good at offense as two <laughs> average players. That's it's it's truly unbelievable. But the real conversation, yeah. all that to say, yeah. this offense is not winning the World Series. They nope. have four above-average players. Not not eight above average players, not even six that are like around. They have one on the line, three slightly above. They have four above average hitters. It is not the offense that wins a World Series. We saw one player. We saw Judge for a literal month drag the Yankees through victories. Literally, Carry, literally, one hundred percent carried the team's the, offense. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I did see them recently. 
the numbers over the last uh, two years with Judge in the lineup versus not, mm-hmm. and it's it's bad. It's Tell shocking. me the last team that won the World Series that with didn't, one guy. Yeah, that didn't have – look the, at the, Where yeah. their seven-hitter so, wasn't pitching in. So, so all, uh, this, all this is to very say – our, our offense is, is yeah. struggling mightily. That was the main point. Like, yep. obviously, Volpe here kind of led into uh, the offense in general. Um, obviously, we have a lot of other topics that we could talk about with the Yankees. I mean, we wanted to get a little bit more into a uh, recap of the Red Sox series, which w- I don't think we're going to have a ton of time for right now. No, um, we don't. Uh, we, we, just to let everybody know, we wanted we want to keep these episodes around like the, I'd say forty five at the minute at the lowest to the hour fifteen ish at the most, which is about what we're pro- approaching right now. So we kind of want to try to wrap it uh, just to let everybody know. Um, but I guess uh, really quick, if we have one quick takeaway from this series with the Red Sox, I know we all watched it at varying degrees. One quick takeaway from each for the series, and then I'll let Jacob wrap it up with maybe a little fun time, a little gamey game. Got a fun game. Ooh, and then uh, and then we'll probably call it there. So my, one takeaway from the series, Joey. My one takeaway, it's the big one. Yankees are not a fantastic team right now. It's scary. Tough. That's my big takeaway. The, and obviously injuries are, play a huge part of it, but like you said, the big players aren't playing. Yep. The Yankees' offense is frightening. So something needs to change, and that change could be players stepping up or playing to the quality that they know that they can or the Yankees are paying them to or expecting them to. Mm-hmm. But as of right now, I'm a little scared. This division's very good. Very good. Very good, and it's not going anywhere. So the Yanks need to step up. So dropping two series to each of the Sox teams in the league, a little bit scary, so I'm hoping their next couple series they can get a couple wins. Jacob, really do. your takeaway from the Boston series? My takeaway would be that the Yankees come off on TV as a team that expects to win when Aaron Judge is in the lineup and expects to survive when he's not, and that is exactly what the stats say they have done since basically since 2017 when he became a superstar is they survive without him, and they are great with him. The playoffs, a different story. Mm-hmm. In the regular season, it, it, that's what it looks like. They go out, and at-bats are ugly. At-bats mm-hmm. are three, four pitchers instead of five, six pitchers per at-bat. They go out in the to the plate, and they look like they expect to score two runs and hope that they can let up one, which is almost what they've been doing since Judge has been out and when he was out the first time this year, mm-hmm. is that they score a little bit, Hope that's enough. It doesn't ever feel like they have a, a knife to the throat and say, we are going to absolutely take control of this yeah. game unless no they have things. Aaron Judge in the lineup. And that's... Yeah. I mean, he makes a big difference. Good, good He's point. the best offensive player in the league. He makes a difference, but they have to yep. do more than survive without him. Yeah, it's a my, great point, my one takeaway is that it's obvious that um, somebody got into the Yankees clubhouse uh, before these last two series and went in every guy's uh, locker and took out their socks and slipped a little, like, scorpion in there, and all the players got in. They either looked at their socks if you're, like, a guy like... like, Do you think, like, Torres, like, definitely looks at inside of his socks When's the last time you look he, in your sock with, well, before you put it that's on? That's what I'm saying. Most, 99% of these guys probably just put their socks on. There's a scorpion there. It bit them. And Torres looked, though, because that's why he hit that home run, because he had a decent series... And what do you now, think was in these people's socks? Scorpions. And now I, we have a we have a phobia 
of socks, and that's why we lost. That's a great so point, bad Tom. to the socks. But well, so that's, that is what happened. That's my takeaway from the series. So you know, uh, the, Yankees little bit of a rough patch, couple of rough series. And we're we'll hoping talk about them they more. can get into the yeah. win column here soon. And you know, we've uh, touched on all three teams. Definitely some more to Im- uh, more input on each three teams. You know, different stages of their seasons. But, uh, you know, I think that we touched on some big things we can dive in and unpack a little bit more in our next episode. But, Jake, I think uh, to send us away, you got something fun for yeah, us. Yeah, go, I Jake. I do have something fun. It's, uh, I like fun. It's kind of a juxtapositional, one of my favorite words. I like Spell it. that word. Spell it. J-U-juxtapositional. I actually, and <laughs> I was talking about. I don't have time to spell it. <laughs> I was just talking about this word with somebody recently. I don't think it was one of you guys. And You don't I, talk to an out, so it's probably one of us. That's just so sad. Sorry. From true. the guy who in episode guy. zero yeah. was talking about telling his yes, cat telling things. his cat Just things. because I talk right. to my cat doesn't mean I don't We're talk to people. We're at a buck people. 15 Jacob, here, what do you got for us, late, So let's All right. finish this up. Ooh. I'm turning my camera so that you don't look at my screen. Jo- Joey is a notorious cheater. He is. He loves it. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Actually, so, cheaters always win. I'm just going to If you put do that it well enough, they do. Jacob, what do you got for us? So here's my question for you. Which Buffalo Bills player has hit the furthest home run? Is that the I, I like haven't tone of your voice made us think that there was right, more. Right, in right, an MLB game, at Little League, uh, <laughs> no, 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 in M- practice, the, no, 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 documented furthest home run. Okay. Uh, I have an answer. Josh Allen. Why not? Tommy. J.P. Lossman. <laughs> Josh Allen. Yeah, I knew it was hit Allen. A home run about two or three weeks ago in the Toronto Blue Jays yeah. Park. Trivia is kind of my thing. That I killed went. I knew it was Allen, so I didn't. Do we say have Allen? a guess on how far his home run went? Oh, um, where did where did he hit? He Toronto. Was, in Toronto. He was in Toronto. Three twenty-five. Uh, what do you think? He's I don't think the hand? dimensions are even. Uh, I'm going to say three eighty-four. That's a Yankee Stadium. Three eighty-four. Tommy. Uh. 345. You guys are so mean to Josh Allen. No way. 400? Four projected oh stat cast wasn't on. God. Similar Put home runs. Him in the Yankees. You haven't lineup. even given me a chance. <laughs> 422 oh. projected. Bomb. That is a bomb. Put him in the Yankees lineup. Don't That's think you can do it in a game. Cannot be worse than Josh Donaldson. <laughs> well, Donaldson has been so fair. clearly. If the Yankees continue to struggle, uh, Josh Allen can get the call. So I, I think that uh, you know it was fun. Touched on all three teams here today. Jake, Russell Wilson, for good trivia. Russell Wilson was the Yankee. Um, and so you know, I think that that was a great episode. Got a lot to talk about in the future. You yeah. know, it was fun. And so I, I really uh, think we had a good time here tonight, guys. And Tommy, you got uh, something to close us with. Yep, uh, Jacob. Was that it for fun times? That's. I mean, we've got more. We've got a lot. Of Plenty of fun times, times ahead. Plenty well, of fun I'm times like ahead. Fun time. Okay. Yeah. This is. Uh, we'll. We'll. End, where we'll end the show. Say that five times fast. Um, and just a reminder to everybody out there, uh, please go and find us on social media. All the big ones. All the hits. All the big ones. Jacob. All the big ones. All the good ones. Facebook, you know, Facebook Instagram, Insta, Twitter, Twitter, YouTube. Twitter. Uh, TikTok's coming up. TikTok coming up. And uh, give us a follow. Seriously, it would uh, mean a lot. And just, you know, we're going to be posting news and other stuff on those pages along with um, the episodes here. And we'll let everybody know when those are coming out. And just to remind everybody, episodes, we're going to be trying to record them twice a week. And they're going to be launched on Mondays and Thursdays. That's the plan for now. So find us on socials. uh, Give us a follow. Give us a like. 
If you, can, you want to watch us make faces at each other and banter, you can go to YouTube and watch yes. our podcast as well. Otherwise, you can see the air quotes instead of hear the air quotes. Yeah. Otherwise, as of this morning, actually, we are now live on all major platforms as well. So you're, you're welcome. Your Apple Music, your Amazon, Spotify, uh, Spotify yeah. yeah, Stitcher, the whole night. And like so, Tom said earlier in the, the episode, one, in a very uh, very odd spot, uh, you know, we're brand new to this. We've never done this before. We want this to, uh, you know, obviously we're here having fun talking about things we talk about all the time, but definitely open. You know, we want to hear uh, constructive criticism, comments. Yeah, you know, if you think uh, Jacob needs a haircut. Let us know. Tommy sucks. Um, Joey sure, sucks. Fair enough. But Joey we sucks uh, at cooking. We're really looking forward to uh, keeping this thing going. Thank you again to Media One and you know just having a professional recording studio. Yeah. Pretty great here for the audio. Yep. So I uh, mean you know, a lot of shout outs there. But like Tom said, follow us on the socials yeah. if you want to watch us. Check us out on YouTube. And uh, you know we look forward to talking twice a week. And uh, hope you guys enjoy listening. Go Yanks, boys. Go, go Yanks. Yanks. Go Let's Sabers. Go, go Bills. All right. Thanks, everybody. Absolutely. See you guys.